Elliot, the first big leak from uh, Star Wars Episode Eight, just a couple weeks ahead of Rogue One. There might actually be a line of dialogue from Luke Skywalker in the first Episode Eight trailer. Oh, really? Well, you know, I've been trying to stay really as spoiler-free as I can, but apparently the line is something along the lines of what you contain a spark that will rekindle the fire. Sounds like a line from a Billy Joel song. I'm just glad that Luke's finally going to have some dialogue. The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. Geek Counter Geek with Chief Conrad and Elliot Serrano. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. I'd just like to say, get a life. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Geek Counter Geek number 75. I'm Keith Conrad, alongside uh, Elliot Serrano. Elliot, our 75th episode. Who would have thought we'd made it this far? I, I'm pretty sure I have squares saying that one of us would have killed each other by 32. You know, 75, I, I believe that's the diamond anniversary. That, that, that seems significant somehow. Diamonds, yeah. Diamonds are forever. You know, it's, it's really nice that we've made it this far. You know, we, we've started from our humble beginnings as a, a little bitty podcast where you and I would just kibitz about things. Where, and now we're part of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network where, you know, we get to add our voices to, you know, speaking of diamonds, I think of diamonds. I also think of the dishing bitches who I know love their diamonds. You're not going out on a limb when you say that. I, I, I don't think <laughs> think you can you can speak for them that much i was a guest on lasano and friends uh, another member of the radio misfits podcast network and uh you know a couple of people actually said you know they really enjoy the podcast so you know i i think we're we're obligated to keep it going keep it going you know yeah and then <clears throat> who knows maybe at some point we'll actually agree on something you, you never know. We might. And, and uh, actually, for that matter, um, you know, uh, Amy Shira Title, she's doing the Vintage Space podcast. So Minutia Men did a like, like sort of a space trivia contest in their latest episode. And then Tony, since, since I'm a big space historian as well, Tony decided to basically do a reenactment of that trivia contest on that podcast. So I think that was a segment of a podcast doing a promo promoting another podcast which was promoting a podcast so i mean you, you can't you can't buy synergy like that i mean that that's just amazing well i say in in um to commemorate everything that's been going on to recognize the great scientists and pioneers of space <clears throat> we should reenact um buzz aldrin's uh, evacuation from antarctica I, that, that sounds like a great idea. I you know, thought it I, had everything. Scientists. It had. It had. You know, uh, danger. It had badass you know, pilots. Uh, badass pilots. <clears throat> you had a guy on a respirator. You know, it was like Star Wars. It, it really was, wasn't it? Buzz Aldrin, just a, a much a much happier guy than Darth Vader, though. I, I'd have to say. Yeah, really, and um, at eighty three. Buzz Aldrin is still a bigger badass than many of us half his age. 
you know, I would agree. And uh, whatever podcast you're listening to, whether you have the good taste to listen to Geek Counter Geek or The Dishing Bitches or Lasano and Friends or Minutia Men, Vintage Space, uh, whatever it is, you, you want it to sound the best that it can. And uh, why not pick up some headphones from Tweaked Audio? They sell actually headphones and headphone accessories. Uh, they come in eight styles and colors. They have mic'd and non-mic'd versions, you know, so you can use them for just listening to things or gaming or whatever, you know, designed to sound great. And whether you're listening to, uh, you know, Elliot and Elliot and I kibitz about things or listening to music, they have a lifetime warranty. And if you use the counter code GCG for Geek Counter Geek, uh, you can get uh, 33% off and free shipping worldwide. Uh, the code is not case sensitive. So whether you use capitals or not, GCG at uh, tweetaudio.com. So, Elliot, there's a, a lot of news. We're mere days away from uh, Rogue One hitting theaters. And uh, ultimately, we have some, uh, some Death Star news that uh, we're going to talk about uh, later in the show. But uh, in addition to that, there was, in fact, more Star Trek. Well, there was more Star Trek Discovery casting news, which was good. And then there was some other Star Trek Discovery news that wasn't so good. Which was bad, bad, bad. Yes. (laughs) Possibly a deal breaker. Uh, Well, I I don't know that it's a deal breaker. I mean, you'll still watch the first episode, right? Especially the one that's that's on the air that you don't have to pay for. You still watch that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing about this new Star... The, 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 the thing that's concerning me <clears throat> about Star Trek Discovery is that it's encountering many of the same issues that um, Star Trek Voyager had. Anybody remember that? <clears throat> remember how um, the... the um, I, I don't, it wasn't um, Brandon Braga... Or, no, was it Ronald Moore? I don't think Ronald Moore was involved with them. I think I think it was Rick Berman still running the show Rick, back then, right? Because ac- they, actually, they, uh, Ronald Moore, you know, he went from uh, Next Gen uh, to DS Nine, and then when that was DS9. done, he did actually go to Voyager, but he only made it two episodes before he was like, "This is the most ridiculous thing ever. I'm out of here." Correct. And yeah. <clears throat> there was this whole, also the whole bit where, you know, they were saying the DS9 crew wasn't going to be the crew that the next films would be based on. I mean, they were already prepping the the, the next generation crew to hand the, the movie baton over to Voyager. You know, a lot of folks forget that. <clears throat> and so the, the, you know, Janeway was cast differently. Was supposed to, I forget the name of the French actress who was supposed to, it wasn't going to be Kate Mulgrew, it was going to be somebody else who they were, they, they wanted to cast her sight unseen. And then when they finally got her on the set to, you know, do her lines, it just was, it was disastrous. So <clears throat> you sit there and you go, oh boy, it's like they don't seem to know where this is going. The vision, maybe it's just, they can't get the stars to align for them, or they're not quite sure what the vision of the show is going to be. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm pretty sure they don't know what the vision of the show is going to be, <clears throat> considering, uh, well, yeah, you know, Brian Fuller has announced that he has utterly no involvement with Star Trek Discovery. Yeah, he did say that they've got his phone number if they ever want him to be involved, but at this point he isn't involved. And, you know, that that was very different from uh, from what 
Paramount had been saying, Paramount and CBS had been saying about it, you know, they, they basically said, well, you know, he's not going to be running the day-to-day things, but he's still involved. And then Brian Fuller comes out and says, no, they, they, they're not returning my calls right now. Now, if you ask me, that sounds like um, Brian Fuller doesn't want his name anywhere on this thing. <laughs> he's like, give me like the whole, no, 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 no. If something happens, you know, I don't want it to be because later on they're going to put it at my feet. That this, that, or the other happened. It yeah, he, like- he wants to. He wants to make sure that if you Google Brian Fuller and Star Trek Discovery, the first thing that pops up is going to be, "I'm not doing anything with Star Trek Discovery." <laughs> there you go. So again, my uh, optimism continues to wane. As you said, I'll watch the first episode. I'll see how it is. It sounds still. It's Star Trek, so we'll see. I mean, uh, but it took you know three tries before they finally got the movie series right so also some casting news uh doug jones from hellboy and pan's labyrinth is going to be uh is going to be on the show i was a little disappointed to find out it's not former major league relief pitcher doug jones but uh (laughs) you know he's probably better suited to be on the star trek show than the pitcher anyway and he's a he's accustomed to sitting in a makeup chair for six hours and Plus, putting on alien makeup. <clears throat> yeah, he's. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm not sure that I've seen him in anything where he was just. He was just him. Yeah, it seems like he's always. He's always. You know, he he's always got some sort of elaborate uh, doodads and gigaws on. <laughs> I think that's the name of his character, Gigaw. <laughs> Gigaw, yes. So he's going to be uh, um, a Starfleet officer. And a, a new alien species, which is interesting because you sort of run into the same problem that they had with Enterprise. Okay, you want to introduce a new alien species, but this is supposed to be before the original series. So how with all the, the, the literally hundreds of episodes of various series that they did after the original series, how can you have a new alien? And, and never refer to them or have no knowledge of them in later series or what, you know... <clears throat> Again, I don't understand why they don't do post next gen. You know, it's it that seems to be as far as they've gone. <clears throat> why can't they do the crew that came afterwards? There's so much, you know, that you can do there. And, and you wouldn't have to just, do it the same way uh, next gen did cuz next gen did it like I mean, literally next gen. I mean, there were, I think, about 75 years after the original series. You wouldn't have to do that. You could do it literally like the next day after after Nemesis, and it would be fine. <clears throat> or do, yeah, do a new crew, but mix in some of the old with the new. So then that way it's not such a, a stark um, transition. If you want to do all new, then fine, but then break new territory. Uh, explore new concepts and technology because you can't do that now if you keep going backwards um, in the continuity of Star Trek. You know, if you keep wanting to fill in the past, Star Trek <clears throat> might be our future, but what is the future of Star Trek? It seems like they don't want to break any new ground. They just keep re-breaking the old stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so really, you know, when they, when they told us hey, we're going to do a, a series that was 10 years before the original series. That probably should have been a big red flashing warning light. Because, <clears throat> again, and I think it's also colored a bit by the whole Axanar um, debacle and how Paramount decided to go after them. And, again, it just makes me wonder, 
maybe what was going on with Axanar was cutting too close to what they wanted to do with Discovery, and that's why they went after them, or that's why they wanted to shut that whole thing down, and then finally when the Discovery stuff starts, people are going to go, oh, well, yeah, that's what they did in Axanar. This all makes me very concerned. Yeah, it could very well be. I mean, we know a little bit about the characters, um, but we don't know anything about the story other than the fact that it's you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I believe it was 10 years before the original series. I, I know it's it's sort of like Rogue One. It's it's before the the original story, but, you know, it's supposed to be recognizable as the same world as as the original story. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I know that we've talked about this a, a little bit uh, in in previous episodes about other various franchises that uh, by uh the the fact that I know I'll I'll be watching it anyway I I might be part of the problem because uh, you know if I keep <laughs> watching it then that means they make more crap. Well, it, it, watching it is one thing; paying for it is another. And we'll see how many people actually sign up for the service and how successful it is because they're using um, the Star Trek as a flagship for the. <sighs> Again, I. It, don't they realize that it's only you can only nickel and dime people so many times, you know, so much before they, they say, you know, we can't, we just can't pay for everything. People are paying for Hulu. People are paying for Netflix. You have the WWE. I, I just recently canceled my WWE Network uh, membership because it was like ten bucks a month that I wasn't using enough, and it, that that adds up over time. Mm-hmm. And these networks keep thinking, you know, well, no, it's only like four or five bucks here, seven, eight bucks there, ten bucks there. Those dollars add up. And then people these days have to be very discriminating with their, you know, but we don't have disposable income anymore. <laughs> well, what's <laughs> interesting is it, is it seemed like, uh, um, you know, and I know CBS never climbed on the bandwagon. But, you know, originally Hulu was a partnership between like the broadcast networks to to come up with their own streaming platform to compete with Netflix, and CBS was the one network that never never climbed on board there. Um, but you know they would have been much better off doing that than trying to create their own network because you know it, it's one thing to pay for Netflix, which is sort of its own thing, which you could you could view as like buying a, a premium channel, you know, in your cable subscription. And also Hulu, which is providing you with all the things that the broadcast networks, um, you know, give you. It's another thing to pay for an additional one that's only one broadcast network. That just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And that, that was probably very poorly thought out on their plan, on their part. Yeah, I'll say you, you said that from the very beginning. The, what does CBS have that's going to be enough? to justify a monthly service, you know, even if you pull up their entire net, you know, their entire um, archive of everything that ever ran on CBS. I mean, are you going to want to pay, you know, eight bucks a month or whatever for that? Especially Uh, when you can pay eight month, eight bucks a month for Hulu and you'll get NBC, ABC and Fox. You know, that that's a lot more just in and of itself for the same price. So we'll see. I'm yep. afraid. Uh, well, I don't. I'm afraid of what we're going to discover with Star Trek Discovery. Speaking of uh, of rehashing uh, old stories, 
and uh, poorly thought out decision making on, on network uh, parts. Legendary Pictures announced that they're going to uh, be doing a new adaptation of Dune. Yeah, because there aren't enough of those around. <laughs> well, I would think now these days, especially with the success of Game of Thrones and showing that um, you can do a very cinematic type production with um, on, on cable television, I can see that working for Dune. I mean, when you think about it, <clears throat> um, the one that <clears throat> everyone talks about, of course, is the um, the David Lynch uh, ad- uh, adaptation starring a Kyle Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, and Sting, and Sting. I remember that. <clears throat> and no Dean Stockwell. Talks- yeah. Yeah, Dean Stockwell. Right. No one ever talks about the Sci-Fi Channel uh, miniseries. Because, let's face it, Sci-Fi Channel, they don't know Sci-Fi. Well, and, and the, the interesting thing is, and at the risk of, uh, of you know, inflaming people here, I actually kind of like the Sci-Fi Channel version better than the original one. Than the movie? I, I did. Like, it, it just, you know, I know it's a miniseries and they were about the same length, but the, uh, the original one just always seemed a lot more drawn out to me i mean maybe it's because i was very uh very young when i first saw it and that sort of clouded my uh my vision of it because i wasn't uh, i wasn't all about sitting through something that long but i i actually did like the sci-fi version better oh well, the, the sci-fi version had its strengths in compa- comparison to the movie <clears throat> the sci-fi version was able to delve a little bit deeper into the characters and the plots and stuff like that whereas david lynch in his movie um, was it was a lot really about the visuals and just the themes and some of the crazy stuff that you know was happening in the on Arrakis. Yeah. Um, but you know now since <clears throat> you have series again like Game of Thrones and Westworld, um, even you know Man in a High Castle and others where they're like, hey, we can take the production values that you can use in a film and and apply them to a TV series and, and then get in, pull in a profit as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, that's a thing that didn't happen with the sci-fi channel series. It was, you know, it was television. They, it wasn't a movie made for television. It was television made for television. Right. Well, the interesting thing about that is, um, you know, uh, you know, Westworld is a, in theory, it's a remake, but at least, from what we know of the story so far, it seems to be its own, you know, story. It's it's not it's not in any way some sort of retelling of the original story. Um, you know, the man in the high castle. There hadn't been an adaptation of that, even though quite a few people had tried. Um, you know, uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Obviously, there were there were the books, but you know, they hadn't made any any sort of film or tv version of that i wonder if with dune you know it's probably a story that would have lent itself very well to that sort of you know that that sort of telling of it but i wonder if there's you know since there's already two versions of it if maybe maybe dune wasn't the story to pick to do that you have a point there that i guess on the other hand though you have a you know Dune. the first dune book isn't the only um, book in the series, Frank Herbert gave um, any any television production or any studio a lot of material to work with to create seasons of <clears throat> of narratives. So that is and true. Then you yeah. have the 
and you have the quote unquote brand recognition, you know, it's it's people keep saying, Well, why did they remake Westworld? Why couldn't they make something new? And we're like, Okay, what would you recognize? The, the fact that, you know, many oh well, I'm I'm discovering more and more folks lately who do not realize that Westworld is a remake of a of a Michael Crichton movie. I've been hearing that a bit. Yeah. Well I think that um you know I I don't know you know, I, they they say that there may be you know they're they're looking at at about six seasons for Westworld and they and they've got it they've got it sketched out you know exactly what uh, what the story is, which is good, um, but I, I you know obviously won't be able to tell for sure until the whole thing is actually done. But it doesn't seem to be a remake. It seems like you know Jonathan Nolan and his wife at one point watched Westworld and thought. Well, you know, that's sort of an interesting idea, you know, uh, uh, an amusement park with a bunch of uh, robots where people can, uh, you know, can can do all sorts of things they wouldn't normally be able to do in their lives. You know, that that's an interesting take on it. And, oh, yeah, the robots become, you know, self-aware, you know, and, and they just they just took that basic premise and ran with it rather than it being a, an actual remake. And, you know, <clears throat> you have the again, the the well, Kind of the recognition of it. You have you have lots of fans of the Dune, the Herbert books, who will say that they have yet to get a series that does true justice to it. So you know, I say maybe third time's a charm. Yeah, I I, I think you know you could definitely there, there's it's no stretch to say that if you if you wanted to do a series you know a Dune series now or or a movie or a miniseries or whatever it ends up being. You could do a much better job now of telling that story than you could then. But, you know, one of the things that has has made um, sort of the experience of Game of Thrones and Westworld is, as we've talked about, the ability of fans to sort of, you know, come up with their own theories about where everything is going. And if you're just remaking Dune, uh, you can't really do that because there's obviously other versions of it. Now, if they did what you suggested and they actually took it, you know, took one of the later stories that hasn't been done yet and they did it as sort of a, a sequel series, then you could do that. You know, then, then, you'd, then you'd have the opportunity for, for fans to get all geeky and come up with their own theories and things like that. <clears throat> Although I will put this out to the uh, geek counter geek uh, audience. How many have actually read Dune and then and then read the subsequent sequels? Uh, Herbert did. I want to say he did it. He did a few, but then his son came along and um, continued after his passing. Um, how many folks know Dune beyond just, you know, the image of a giant planet that's nothing but sand and then, you know, Tatooine and giant <laughs> sand worms, right? Which uh, other people would might know more from Tremors or even Beetlejuice, <laughs> but most likely Beetlejuice. I mean, I I, I don't have the box numbers number uh, box office numbers in front of me, but uh, I have a feeling that more people were into Beetlejuice. <laughs> hey, Tremors was a good movie. It it, it was there. There it, it gave us Kevin Bacon. Really, I mean. You know, sure you he had, sure he had been in Footloose and and other things, but I think America really fell in love with Kevin Bacon and Tremors, and and Fred Ward, and um and oh, and then it had Reba McIntyre and uh, Michael Gross 
as uh, First Amendment gun-loving redneck. Yeah, Michael Gross definitely playing against like his uh, you know his character from Family Ties, <laughs> pretty, pretty much pretty much the opposite. I'm sorry, Second Amendment. I don't think he cared much for the First Amendment. Uh, well, we don't know that he didn't. <laughs> but, but you know. So we're uh, we're now less than two weeks away from the release of uh, of Rogue One. Are you excited yet, Elliot? Have you gotten your tickets for the midnight showing yet? No, I have not, and it's uh, it's one of those. It, I'm 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 getting close to uh, Rogue One overload. Almost like the it, it's nowhere near what was happening with the Force Awakens. <clears throat> Because you saw that everywhere. I mean, you saw it, in, you know, you saw clothing, you saw cereal, you saw, you saw uh, bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that has to do with the fact that, uh, um, you know, we're, we're all kind of assuming that all these characters are going to be dead at the end. So that that has to change the way you're marketing the story, doesn't it? Right. Okay. Well, maybe not necessarily dead, but we're never going to see them again. You would think, because um, we never did. Uh, we're, the, 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 the running joke right now is that <clears throat> there is a sequel to Rogue One. It, it's, it was called Star Wars. So, right. <laughs> so you know, you're right. It's like uh, the the same thing with Rogue One as um, the questions I'll have as I will have about questions of Rebels. You know, where were these characters as Han, Luke, and Leia, you know, kind of like took center stage? You know, what what happened? <clears throat> what's happening with everybody else? Because you don't see them again. You don't hear from them again. I was even going, and for a while there, I was going, hey, why is it that they created this whole brand new character uh, to be Jin Erso's sidekick, the uh, Cassian, uh, I forgot his last name. No, Cassian's this last name. Um, <clears throat> why couldn't it have been Biggs Darklighter? You know, Luke's buddy from you know from um, from Tatooine who jumped ship from the Academy to join the Rebel Alliance. You know, why was uh, a Biggs Darklighter involved in that? That's right. And in the original version, you'd never actually see him, do you? You see, you well, he has a scene. <clears throat> well, if, if you know, folks, know, well, the, it's, it's certainly, yeah, in the beginning, and then in the original, um, in the in the original release of the film, Luke and Biggs meet at the end, right before the death, you know, the the Death Star attacks. So they they're up there together, you know, they meet right beforehand, saying, "Hey, I knew you'd make it," and so on and so forth. And then um, Biggs, you know, dies, you know, during the the attack on the Death Star. Uh, but then. <clears throat> Hey, where are where are the where's Biggs again? I mean, yeah. when do I get my big standalone film? Is that what it is? Am I gonna have to wait for that? <laughs> well, certainly he's not such a huge part of, uh, of of a New Hope that you'd think twice about recasting him. It's not like he's so iconic that that you couldn't do that. So, yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, we know that uh, you know several years later, many Bothans died to to you know bring information about the second Death Star. But we don't know for sure that everybody died to get the plans. So, yeah, maybe, you know, th that if only the the Star Wars uh, story group folks had been listening to, to Geek Counter Geek, then they could have, uh, you know, they could have decided, hey, here's a here's a great opportunity to bring back Biggs. <laughs> and or, or 
they were listening and they were going, we are just doing opposite of anything that they're suggesting. You know, they, <laughs> sadly, that's probably more accurate. Uh, but anyway, according to British energy supplier Ovo, which apparently has a lot of time on their hands, uh, they actually sat down and crunched the numbers and they estimated that it would cost 7.7 octillion dollars per day to run the Death Star. That's uh, that's two sevens with 26 zeros at the end. That's how big uh, an octillion is. Uh, to put that in perspective, that's 100 trillion times the $70 trillion uh, annual global economic activity of planet Earth. So, um, you know, Palpatine, definitely not a libertarian. I mean, he's thrown around the government money quite a bit. Well, here's the thing. And uh, while I respect, you know, these, these folks and their research, they, they, they didn't realize, one, Palpatine, for all, for all we knew, for all his, you know, his faults, was a bit of a conservationist, okay? You always turn the lights on and off when you left the room. That's true. That is true. Um, uh, The Death Star trash compactors, those were compost machines. That's why you had Dianogas in there, okay? So it helps with, uh, you know, um, taking care of waste. Um, uh, You know, when you have your own giant nuclear reactor in the center of the whole thing pretty much powering everything you know it's you know it's, you're cut you're cutting costs there too you know so that's like true keeping it yeah. in-house keeping it in-house yeah and um <laughs> my my favorite thing about this is uh it was it cost them 52 billion dollars per day to light the thing but, I mean, this is the Star Wars universe. You've got to think they've come up with some free way of, of, of lighting things. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's getting an electricity bill in a galaxy far, far away. I'm telling you, if you can let, like, one of your top executives choke another guy in the middle of a meeting and not say anything, anything goes. I find your lack of faith disturbing. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cabotron.